This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Tuesday afternoon, September 13th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. The inflation report, the consumer price index for the month of August, is out, and it sent markets tumbling. Let's get the latest insight on the CPI from uh, Diane Swank, Chief Economist, KPMG, based in Chicago. Diane, thanks for joining us today. When we last spoke at at 1020, we mentioned that the uh, any savings that uh, customers experienced at the gas pump in the month of August was completely wiped out at the grocery store because uh, the prices of several uh, staple items went up in the month of August and uh, went up in a big way, especially on a year-over-year basis. What's the deal with proteins and eggs? What is driving the price increases in those two particular categories? Well, you've got everything from feed to um, transportation costs pushing up the cost. We've also got, in addition to a lot of the proteins that we're seeing go up, our processed foods, things like hot dogs, lunch meats, the things you put into kids' lunches when they go to school. And all of those things are, you know, getting the double whammy of transportation costs, feed costs, um, and other issues that, in terms of packaging that they've had to deal with. And I think that's what's showing up in some of those. And you're seeing just I mean, the eggs are just stunning. They're almost up 40% from a year ago. Really incredible gains. But I think it's important because some of these things are things that people trade into when proteins go up. They might go towards sandwich meats instead of an an actual big piece of meat um, that they buy or a chicken that they buy. And I think that's important as well. We're also going into, you know, what's been droughts, fires, floods, you name it, in terms of extreme weather events that are really hurting also across the board, um, everything from livestock to crops. And I think that all is coming together in a very hard way, along with the war in Ukraine this year, that um, we just, you know, can't escape anymore. And that said, even though the Federal Reserve can't grow food and they can't pump oil, uh, they do actually worry about how much things like that distort our behaviors every day and get baked into what we expect going forward. And that's what they have to fight. They also have to combat that we've got shelter and medical costs going up, but that means more interest rate hikes. And my concern is that it means more interest rate hikes at the expense of higher unemployment as well. And then very quickly on the housing front, uh, if, if you refinanced your mortgage uh, in 2020 and locked in a low rate, uh, your mortgage is actually uh, running behind the rate of inflation. But where are these uh, increased uh, housing costs coming from? It's a great question. And 
the way that these come through is over time, increases in home values. It takes anywhere from a year to 18 months for an increase in a home value to show up in what we call owner's equivalent rent. That's either what you would rent your home out at, which you may actually do um, if you were to rent it out. And there were a lot of investors in the market flipping to rent instead of flipping to sell. Institutional investors with deep pockets that did that, and that pushed up the rents of homes. But also, we're seeing rental costs going up themselves. And although some high-frequency rental costs like um, that we saw in the market showed a decline from August, uh, from July to August, that still is up significantly and a huge sticker shock for many people out there renting um, apartments as well. And remember, as the stock, as it, housing became more and more, less and less affordable for those people out there who didn't lock into those low rates, all of a sudden their demand for rental housing went way up. And so that's pushing up the rents as well. And that's a really hard issue because we're starting to see the rising ranks again. We saw them back before the pandemic set in, the rising ranks of the working homeless. And that's something that is um, really tragic in what should be a wealthy economy. Diane Swank, Chief Economist, KPMG, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us. Coming up, a look at the markets through the lens of the Dow Theory. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The time-tested Dow Theory continues to remain bearish, and today's acceleration to the downside puts the June lows within reach. Joining us to discuss the markets is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory for Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. Uh, one way you can look at today's uh, major sell-off is that uh, the markets are essentially uh, giving back the gains uh, from the last couple of days or so. Uh, how close are we to those June lows and possibly uh, seeing a retest of that number? Well, we're, we're certainly getting a retest right now coming off the, the August 16th highs, and it'll be a question as to whether the, the, both the Dow Jones Industrial Average and Dow Jones Transportation Average, which are the two indices that uh, the Dow Theory uses, whether they can hold those June 17th lows. And in the case of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that low is around 29,888. And in the case of the Dow Jones Transportation Average, the low is about 12,868. So while we're still above those lows, um, it, it looks likely that you know this retest will continue, and we'll see if those lows can hold. If they can, uh, and then we have a rally in the market back above the August 16th high levels, that would constitute a change in the primary trend from bearish to bullish under the Dow theory. But right now, the last major signal under the Dow theory was bearish, and, and thus that's kind of what we're working under. Um, but it lays out pretty clearly. You know, we've got the lows, the important lows and the important highs, and we'll see how the market responds here. And then uh, as the week goes on, um, what will investors be looking for uh, as far as signals about the uh, trajectory of the economy? Because we have the CPI number. We know that means the uh, pace of interest rate hikes is going to continue and maybe actually pick up. Uh, but what do you do then between now and, and September 20th when the Fed actually has their meeting? Yeah, I'm not sure you do a lot. And, 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 you know, just looking at what we're doing in the sense that, you know, we're kind of positioned uh, a little bit on the defensive side because of the way the, uh, the trend has been going in terms of bearish. But we're not making any significant moves one way or the other until we kind of get the answer from the market. And the, the market's going to answer that by 
whether we can hold those June 17th lows uh, or and or go back above those August 16th highs. So from an investor standpoint, I'm not sure there's this is a period unless you're a trader trading kind of daily volatility that you should be doing a whole lot because I think the market is going to answer that big question here sometime over the next couple of months. Now, let's say uh, there is a little bit of a rally that uh, either a lack of surprises or a combination of uh, some encouraging numbers come out or maybe some uh, good geopolitical trends. Maybe there's a settlement in the war in Ukraine. Um and, and you start uh, dancing towards those uh, August 16th highs, it seems like uh, if there is a run of good news, the markets are poised for a breakout. Well, that would, that would be possibly the case, and that would what would constitute an important move above those August 16th highs. And again, under the Dow theory, that would constitute a new bull market trend. So you would expect almost a, a pretty decent breakout over time if, in fact, we do get above those August 16th levels. You know, it's also from an investor standpoint worth noting that, you know, we are probably about a month away from when we start getting third quarter earnings reports. And so we're kind of in this this news lull other than kind of macroeconomic data. But, you know, the third quarter earnings reports where we have seen pretty significant uh, earnings reductions for the second half of this year, they're going to be quite telling. And that's probably when um, we will see how the market d- determines those corporate profits and whether it can break out of this trading range or not to the upside. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next on this Travel Tuesday, an ongoing pilot shortage, how that's impacting U.S. airlines. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Airlines are facing a severe pilot shortage. Let's get an update from Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting based in Chicago. Ken, thanks for joining us today. Some estimates uh, put this pilot shortage today at about 8,000 pilots, and it could reach 30,000 by 2025. This has been a problem brewing for a long time. Yeah, this is something that we've been talking about on the news business hour for many a year and the airlines are slowly starting to get it they've got ground schools to try to train more pilots uh united has a flight school out in arizona americans got something but as we've discussed many times the problem is worldwide and add to that in our own country our military our military is in need of pilots too so for those who are thinking of a good vocation Going into aviation, become a pilot is a good one. And uh, the problem is, and this has been the case uh, since the beginning of aviation, a pilot is a highly skilled trade. And if you wanted to learn to fly without uh, going through the military first, uh, you had to be from a rather well-to-do family. But now the yeah. uh, not now the military pilot is not Tom Cruise in Top Gun. It's not somebody flying an F-16. It's somebody behind a desk in Las Vegas driving a joystick because they're piloting drones well yes uh, the Air Force has that 
And these they've taken people to fly the drones that we used in many of our conflicts overseas. But again, remember, Maverick, Top Gun Maverick, were both, in a sense, recruiting efforts by the military, particularly the Navy and Marine Corps, to get people interested in flying. But the long and short is uh, there are aviation schools. The, the airlines have no, known this to do, and they're getting their own things. But the long and short, it is still a very expensive proposition because you can't just say, okay, I'm going to become a pilot. You have to accumulate hours get your commercial license, and then be accepted into the airlines. The airlines right now, in the short term, what they've done is they've taken many a pilot and upgraded them from the regional carriers up to the main line. So there's a shortage there. And the airlines, going back to the COVID situation, they allowed too many to retire or bought out their contracts. Not a good thing. And it used to be if you were coming into the airline system, you began in those feeder carriers, and they worked you real hard. You had an 18-hour day. You began in one leg of the you, – you, you tra- traversed the entire country. The pay was relatively low. You wanted to work your way up to the uh, big equipment going overseas, which paid six figures. And a lot of pilots washed out, and I would imagine the airlines want those pilots back. Well, they do, but again, going back to that, you know, this is one of the things. They, the pilots in the regional carriers, the smaller jets, if you will, flying to places like DeKalb or uh, Decatur or, uh, uh, you know, downstate, they weren't getting, they needed the hours. They had to start somewhere. The pay was not there. They weren't working necessarily for the main line, United, American, Delta. They worked for United Express. American Eagle, et cetera. But the long and short is that I think is starting to change because the airlines are starting to give pay increases to the lower rank and file pilots. They also noticed that this is a long-term situation. They gotta do something. And let me just add one thing because we spoke to each other from yesterday and I'm still in London. Let me give you an update on London. The RAF, uh, the Queen's body is on her way down to RAF Norfolk, will be brought to London this evening at the Buckingham Palace, and we'll go tomorrow morning over to Westminster, and the crowds will be enormous. And talk about uh, an aus- talk about an auspicious assignment uh, if you are an RAF pilot uh, that you'll be uh, flying the Queen in her final journey uh, back to London. Ken Goldstein, President, KJG International Consulting, based in Chicago, currently in London, uh, giving us the uh, perspective on both the uh, recruiting problems and the for airline pilots and on the uh, uh, the state of mourning for Queen Elizabeth II. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The coffin carrying the late Queen Elizabeth is being flown to London. Travel Tuesday, a passenger train service is in jeopardy from a threatened national rail workers' strike, and the strong dollar is impacting both consumers and the stock market. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 815 points. The NASDAQ is down 446. And the S&P 500 is down 115. AccuWeather says clouds giving way to sunshine today, becoming warmer this afternoon. A high of 76, 73 degrees right now under partly sunny skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, Amtrak has already suspended some service out of Chicago. And Metra faces major issues should a threatened strike by freight railroad workers take place this weekend. The latest from WBBM's Mike Krauser. The earliest a strike by 
conductors and engineers would occur is Friday, the end of a 60-day cooling-off period. The freight companies own most of the tracks. A strike would impact commuters on nine of Metro's 11 lines. Nigel Johnson rides the train from Naperville. He spoke to CBS2. I've been commuting from the suburbs to Chicago now for over 30 years. I can never remember this happening. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. It has been 30 years since there's been a national rail strike. For Metro riders, only the Metro Electric and Rock Island lines would operate should there be a strike. If freight is not moving at a time when there are already supply chain issues, the impact would go beyond an inconvenience for commuters. Mike Krauser, 105.9 WBBM. The City of London is preparing to hold the public visitation for Queen Elizabeth. People have been told not to camp out on the line for Queen Elizabeth's lying in state, but no such restrictions have been put on those trying to nab a good spot along the funeral procession route. About 100 people are already camping out along the mall outside Buckingham Palace just for those few moments they'll be able to watch the funeral cortege go by tomorrow. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. Hey, it's 12.32 on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are deep in the red today. We're joined by Gary Kultbaum, president of Kultbaum Capital Management based in Orlando. Gary, thanks for joining us today. And investors uh, are once again internalizing that message from the Fed a couple of weeks ago that the uh, interest rate hikes will continue until morale improves or inflation goes down. Yeah, it's a continuation of everything we've talked about for months. Uh, You had a couple of years of a central bank uh, adding trillions of dollars into the system, creating all kinds of moves in asset prices, some insane assets uh, like the coins and NFTs. And now you get the backside of that, no pun intended, and that is having to tighten because of all the inflation that I do believe, and I said it from day one, that this central bank created, and where she stops, we don't know, but the key is just watch yields. The two-year, just the two-year yield is at like 3.7 and change, and the 10-year yield is about to break the highs of June, and that means cost of capital of everything goes up. And that is going to be bad for markets. Simple as that. Now, the, um, the, 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 the consensus is still that the Fed is going to raise interest rates by uh, three quarters of a percentage point uh, when they convene later this month. But now uh, there's an outside possibility that they could just go and raise rates by a full point. Um, is higher better under these circumstances? Um, in the effect that they fun- they're playing catch up, uh, yeah. Uh, higher is better to get it over with. But I have news for you. They can raise rates by a point and a half and just be even with the actual market rates. And just remember, we talked about the Fed a lot. Everybody talks about them too much. It's the real yields in the market is where you get your mortgages from and, and, and your payments on. And as I said, the, the 10-year yield, which ties to mortgage, is already near 3.5, and our Fed is only 2.3. So they're just playing catch up at this point in time. And the quicker they do that, the better. Uh, My worry is, uh, based on what I saw today on that inflation report, they may have to go into the fours 
and the market may go into the fours. And again, if that occurs, the competition of, for money heats up versus the market, and you're seeing it in droves today. The market's uh, given back a bunch of what it made the last few days. If the f- rate of interest rate hikes uh, kept uh, up with the rate of inflation, uh, how would that look uh, in the economy at large? Uh, consumers, governments, everyone who has to borrow money, what would that look like uh, for everybody who needs uh, financing to get by? It'll be a lot tougher. Um, Number one, for homes, uh, between how high prices went uh, with the combination of now much higher mortgage payments, uh, that's a problem. And that's why you're seeing housing in trouble now. So really across the board, companies, access to capital is different. Just remember, while the money was easy, companies that should not have great access to capital were able to float bonds at 4% when they should have been doing it at 8%. That's now all changed, so it's tougher for them also. So all the way around, we're in this, I don't want to call the word vicious cycle, but a worse cycle at this point in time. The access to capital is tougher, and that's where markets are going to have a, a real big problem. And leave no doubt, this leads to the next part of the equation, where savings rates have already plunged, and credit card usage has skyrocketed. So I do worry about the consumer, but going forward, and since the consumer is 70% of the economy, we could be in one of those uh-oh moments. And, you know, all the talk about recession, I think a good part of the economy is already in it. Gary Kulpbaum, president of Kulpbaum Capital Management, based in Orlando. Find him online at GaryK.com. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, Amtrak cuts service ahead of an expected national rail strike. The details on the way. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday. Amtrak has suspended some service out of Chicago in anticipation of a potential freight rail workers strike that could also affect commuter passenger service in Chicago. Let's get the latest now from Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University based in Chicago. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Let's lay out the dimensions of what's going on here. Uh, the uh, freight railroads and uh, 12 unions that represent their workers are in the process of working through collective bargaining agreements. Nine out of the 12 have done so already. Uh, we have two more that uh, need uh, are still trying to hammer out their deals and sick time and and time off uh, appear to be the major sticking points. But if the holdout unions don't reach an agreement by Friday, all 12 walk off the job. And that uh, will impact uh, not only uh, all everything we pay for, because 40% of uh, all goods travel by rail, but it's going to have a major impact on people in the Chicago area. So let's talk about, uh, first off, what's going to happen with uh, metro commuters uh, if they uh, do encounter a railroad strike on Friday. That's right. Well, most metro lines uh, operate over freight railway tracks, and, and some routes use uh, personnel that actually is you know, works at the freight railroads under contract. So they are uh, really uh, in the middle of this, and, and you simply can't run uh, uh, run the network if we have a freight railroad strike. We'll have trains parked everywhere. Uh, of course, we'll have labor that's not available to, you know, so it's going to, for downtown Chicago, there's a lot riding here. Of course, traffic is down since the pandemic, but it has been coming back. And roadway congestion is up again, particularly evening rush hour. So it's really uh, uh, going to be an issue for our region if this happens and, and drags out. 
Uh, unfurling uh, the impact on Metro service is also uh, unfurling the history of railroading in the Chicago area because there are four Metro lines uh, that are called the purchase of service lines. These are the lines in which uh, rail, uh, freight railroad personnel from the BNSF or the Union Pacific actually operate the trains. They climb into the locomotive and they run them. Uh, they also uh, look at your Ventra app uh, as conductors, uh, and those are agreements that date back to the 1970s with railroads that no longer longer exist. Uh, there are some other Metra lines, though, where Metra actually owns the trains and they have the personnel. They have their own uh, collective bargaining agreements with them, but they're dispatched by the freight, rail freight railroads and the unionized dispatchers could walk off the job on Friday. And then you have uh, the Rock Island and the Metra Electric, both of which uh, uh, they dispatch the lines they run the locomotives, they hire the personnel, and uh, thanks to the fact that uh, the RTA bought the Rock Island out of bankruptcy in 1980, uh, commuters on the southwest side and southwest suburbs will experience no disruptions on Friday if there is a strike. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate to have, you know, as you mentioned, effectively government ownership over, over those two routes, the Rock Island, the Metro Electric System. And then we have, you know, pure, pure contracting uh, operations like the BNSF, where they actually are, are, you know, direct employees of the freight railroads. And they, they get paid based on the National Collective Bargaining Agreement. So they, uh, they will be striking, and some others are sort of in between. And uh, I, I think the, the, you know, the upshot of this is that, um, you know, Metra not only would have to, uh, uh, on those routes that they do contracting, suspend service, but people are left hanging. We, we just don't know if the strike's going to happen, if it's going to drag out, if uh, they're going to be able to marshal personnel to run some uh, basic service, maybe a couple trains at rush hour. All that's uh, up in the air, and I, I can tell you that the mood in Washington is, is an uh, alarm right now. They're, they see a, a rail strike will have all these effects beyond just moving freight. And then, Joe, very quickly, uh, is there anything the government can do uh, in terms of uh, invoking any legal powers to uh, keep the sides talking past the uh, deadline on Friday? It, you know, it's pretty unprecedented to, to declare an additional cooling-off period, but there is a possibility here for a uh, uh, White House action. Uh, we know that the White House has been uh, monitoring this, and Congress also uh, theoretically could take action. But, but I can tell you that's pretty rare, and that usually happens, uh, say, in wartime economies or or in other situations. I, I don't see that as a white knight here. Uh, but the power of uh, uh, the pressure from Washington certainly uh, uh, encourages the freight railroads to. Uh, you know, try to try to find a compromise, even if it's going to cost them a little bit on the bottom line. Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University. Thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday and still to come, taking a closer look at the impact of a strong dollar. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The dollar is surging and it's having an impact on consumers, commodity prices and financial markets. Joining us now to discuss is Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. What is driving the good old greenback and why is it uh, increasing in value around the world? Well, of course, there are going to be a million individual causes, but I'd say one of the major ones is the fact that uh, interest rates in the United States 
are higher than those in uh, most of the uh, other major trading partners with which, with which the U.S. does business. And so uh, there's a lot of money sloshing around the international currency markets all the time, and they're always in seek of the highest return. And uh, the highest return right now is uh, is uh, the, the good old greenback. Now, it turns out it's interesting if those investors around the world felt as though inflation were higher over time than the interest rates that the Federal Reserve is paying, and of course that's relevant because we got a lot of uh, bad news on inflation today, then people probably would not be putting their money into the dollar because even though the interest rates in a nominal sense are high after inflation, it turns out that the, the rate would be negative. And I don't think that the fact that the market doesn't seem to be saying that is suggesting that uh, at least to that extent, the inflation may not be as bad as the headlines today would, would make us believe. And indeed, as the stock market has reacted by falling nearly 900 points. Now, the inflation is a worldwide problem, and central banks uh, elsewhere are trying to uh, raise rates to uh, rein in their own uh, issues with inflation. Uh, as the European Central Bank or the uh, British Central Bank, as they uh, raise their rates of their interest rates, uh, will that make the dollar less attractive? Well, in relative terms, yes, but I think in terms of just. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, their inflation is a lot worse. Indeed, there are some projections that by the later part of this year, early next, uh, inflation in the in the United Kingdom might hit 20 percent. And I don't think anyone is coming even close to suggesting that it will stay that, you know, even get close to it that, that high in this country. And so even though if you just look at the headline interest rates that the Bank of England or the European Central Bank are setting, they 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 may look like even though i don't think they're actually getting that close but they may look like they're competitive with the the interest rates that the federal reserve is setting if you adjust those rates by inflation the united states comes out way ahead so even though in relative terms whenever they raise rates and we don't over here that can make it look like the dollar is uh, is not quite as attractive as it was before but i still think uh, overall the advantage that the dollar has is overwhelming, and that's exactly why you see the dollar continuing to go up on the international exchanges. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com. Thank you for the insight this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.